the culture we live in and for a lot of people it's a scarcity culture it's like this culture of never enough mm. um love that and like you said these people are living great lives great lives they've got food they've got hot water that we've got heaps of things to be grateful for but are you grateful for where you're at like people are on this hamster wheel of just wanting more 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 because they think that that's what's gonna define their happiness like a bigger house a bigger car oh. and like yeah they're nice things to have and if you're in a situation where it's like like you can get it go for it like i don't care i'm not saying you, you need to have this small economy efficient little car to everybody <laughs> be happy but like it i'm just saying that be grateful for where you are yeah. um because it, it's like these things i we see we see like social media and these people are living these glorified lives it's like and we glorify buddy how people live and what people look like and you think that you have to be that when you don't mm. like, and, and it's it's such a trap because people just like and i've been i feel like never enough is like feeling shame like that's like genuinely one of the definitions of shame it's like feeling less less than or never enough hello friends and welcome to another episode of couple of lattes with your host me jacques massey i'm on a mission to give people wings and roots and couple of lattes is a podcast designed to offer simple solutions to your perceived problems empowering you to take charge of your life couple of lattes brings powerful conversations with some of the most insightful people in the world straight to your ears you can listen to new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on your chosen podcast platform, and you can even watch it on YouTube. Anyway, time to create some purpose and find some meaning in your life with this episode of Couple of Lattes. Kia ora team, and welcome to another episode of In Conversation with the powerful, the legendary coach Jordan Love. Jordan is a strength and conditioning coach, but he's also an all-round absolute legend. And anyone who's listening to this who has joined in with Jordan on Haymate, which is an amazing group for men, you would know exactly the same thing. He's a powerful human being. He shows strength, resilience, and stoicism, but he's also got that vulnerable side, and he's able to sit down with someone, have a deep conversation with zero judgment. In today's episode, we dive into intent, we dive into this idea of expectations, specifically the expectations we have of ourselves that we perceive others to have of us. Confusing, I know. Uh, and we also dive into victim mentality and how dangerous it is when you essentially want to achieve anything. Victim mentality holds you back. Um, the more you can feel as though you are the oppressed, the less likely you are to actually do anything about your situation. Uh, so we dive into that, diving into Jordan's own story, his own personal struggles with chaos and suffering. Uh, and it's an incredible podcast. The first that Jordan has been on, and I'm sure it's only going to be the first of many. This is a man to watch. He has a power to him, an aura to him. And I'm so pumped that I got to sit down and have this conversation with the powerful, the legendary Jordan Love. How was your morning? What did you get up to? Yeah, it was good, bro. Um, woke up early, did my just my standard rituals, so cold shower, meditation. Um, yeah. Went for a bit of a stroll. My foot's a bit buggered, so I haven't really been able to run. Um, oh, really? 
Yeah. But it's what it's, it? oh, it's just overuse. Overuse uh, and not enough stretching. There's no one that I can really blame apart from myself. <laughs> so, yeah. But um right, that's so grim. Yeah, it's it's not it's not bad though. Like it's getting way better. And the timing is good as well, because I want to get back into the gym and get big again. Because yeah. right now I'm like a wispy cloud. Um, <laughs> Ready I, to blow away. Yeah. And I want to be Ready one to of those. Dissipate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally that's literally my body right now. Um, so I'm pretty pumped to get to the gym, yeah. which which means my foot is going to get a solid rest and I'll be able to build up yeah. the muscles again and condition my legs because that's part mm. of the problem is there's like, I'm just running all the time, but it's just abusing my legs. It's not actually strengthening yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. That's worst. Which I suppose well, you know all about since you're a strength and conditioning yeah. coach. Yeah. Well, I, I always went like, I think the general like majority of people that want to do strength and conditioning will lean towards strength first um, and like really neglect conditioning and yeah, right. energy systems and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like I think that's something that I have been getting better in and um, like I read a couple of running books and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like massive component. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just being able to, like, take loads more than what you're going to have to do in running. Mm. Like, so it just set, it sets your body up for success. And, like, mm. and all things in gym are going to translate to better efficiency when you're running. Like, Yeah, right. Yeah. If you're stronger, you can produce more power. You can produce more power, you can run faster. Yeah, right. And I suppose you Pretty have... You have like uh, more resilience, I guess, in the in the long distance too, oh, right? Like your muscles don't yeah. kind of give in and get injured as as quickly. So much resistance, like yeah. Every every runner should be doing strength training. Mm-hmm. Well, bro, this seems like a pretty good segue, and you just—is that your latte? Yeah, yeah, you just picked it up. I had a latte this morning, but I've got a black coffee now. Nice, it's close. Enough. I used to drink black. Yeah, I've, I've put a little bit of butter in this one, actually. Good? Yeah, it's good. I mean, like, I've, I don't know, I, I get really affected by caffeine. And I've found, yeah. like, having that little insulating layer of fat around the caffeine molecules, it works for me. Whether it's a placebo, and I just believe it enough, yeah. <laughs> but but it, it, tend, it tends to flatten out that, that I don't get that, like, huge spike of just like yeah. oh, and I'm then that just, huge yeah. down you're like oh. it tends to flatten out a bit so yeah which i suppose like realistically we don't really need coffee for if we eat the right foods it's probably gonna give us that but yeah absolutely. i like coffee <laughs> and and the podcast yeah. is called couple of lattes so i don't yeah. really want to change yeah. the name <laughs> yeah so true couple of uh couple of long blacks couple couple of ojs that could work <laughs> Yeah, a couple of long blacks with a dash of butter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Um, anyway, bro, let's, I mean, we're kind of segueing into it now. So um, you talked, we talked a little bit just then about strength and conditioning. So I guess the first question I want to ask you, so to give people a little bit of context, because obviously we, we kind of know each other now, like we met through Haymate, shout out to Gabe, big shout out to yeah. Gabe, you're a legend, bro. Uh, and shout out to the whole Haymate crew, whoever's listening. Hey guys. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you're a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. 
Um, mm. So can you talk to me a little bit about that choice and what led you down that path? Because it wasn't always on the cards, was it? Yeah, I think so early days in my family, um, I was sort of led in life on my dad's side. Um, they're all nurses, pharmacists, doctors, physios, um, a couple of lawyers in there, a couple of surgeons, like they're all in the medical field. And um, I sort of, I reckon pretty early, that's what I thought I had to do. Mm. And um, so I convinced myself that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I was pretty adamant on that. And I, I was okay at school pretty early. And um, then So you wanted then, to be a doctor or? I wanted, yeah, well, really early I did. And then about 14, 15, I started to lean towards physio hmm. um, and was pretty adamant on that for my whole my whole schooling sort of thing. And um, I guess throughout school, my journey was, was a little bit different um, because of my mental health. And um, I ended up like sleeping through half of three of my exams. I, I was really, it was a point where I was really struggling and, um, yeah, I didn't didn't get anywhere near the required ATAR um, to get into physio, and and I'm actually sort of grateful that I um that I didn't because if I had like I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now, and um I don't know what path I'd be on, um and I really think everything happens for a reason. So my first year into uni, the only thing I really could do was a diploma of health science, and I was like, sweet, like gets me an entry to Bachelor of Exercise Science. And then from there, I can do my Master's of Physio. Mm. Um, and then basically, like, almost immediately, I was like, nah, I want to be, like, a strength and conditioning coach. Like, I'm, I love the gym. I like I like helping people um, fulfill their potential. And, um, yeah, a, a gym has always been a massive part of my life in terms of just helping me escape and um, just – getting me grounded and let me be where my feet are. So it seemed only only fitting that um, strength and conditioning was the pathway that I went down. And mm. I'm here now. Um, I spent a year interning at Geelong Falcons as part of uni. And um, my best friend is a really good athlete. And, and that sort of is always something I can look to and, and say, like, wow, like, I, I can be training people like that. And um, that gives me a whole lot of inspiration. And, yeah, where I am now is um, a strength and conditioning coach and a personal trainer, and um, I love what I do, so I'm stoked where I am. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. Congrats on that. And yeah, I mean, I, like the the limited interactions we've had. This is this is an interesting thing, kind of a little bit off topic, just to start with. Is the interesting thing about conversations and why I love podcasts so much is like even after we have this discussion and we've already had a previous discussion and we've had some small interactions on Hey Mate, but. The cool thing about this is that you actually get to know someone and yeah. most of the conversations you have in real life are just like, they're so superficial, you know? And I think that's a lot of what Hey Mate is built around, right? It's like, Oh, Hey mate, how you going? Yeah, good mate. Yeah, good. But there's, there's no real honesty and like transparency and yeah. truly deep conversation there. Right. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to do this because I think I'm going to learn a lot more about you and we're going to strengthen the connection, which is cool. But yeah. to get back on topic a little bit, um, 
you and I like talked previously about uh, your schooling days and obviously you've come from a family that's, um, I guess, outwardly looks like they're pretty successful, right? Like the doctors, lawyers, what we all kind of tend to perceive as, you know, success uh, or material yeah. su success in a way. Uh, and this kind of left, let you fall into this, what you and I talked about, about this kind of fixed mindset that, you know, mm -hmm. you, you kind of had the genetics already, like you were destined to become this physio or whatever it is that you had in your head you were going to be. And um, yeah. that coupled with, I guess, um, your challenges with mental illness, uh, kind of resulted in you not really doing the things you needed to do at school. So I was hoping mm. maybe you could expand a little bit on that. Do you, do you feel like that was kind of the situation in school and maybe how did you overcome that and move more into a bit more of a growth mindset? Yeah, well, um, I guess like in terms of that like fixed mindset, like pretty early on I had, I knew I was, I was smart, like, um, I knew I had a lot of capacity and a lot of potential to learn and, and to be good at whatever I did. And obviously, like I said, because of my surroundings, I thought that was, that was a place in the medical field with whatever profession that is. And um, I think I sort of let um, trying to fit in and, and to belong dictate my decisions and I conform to what, I thought people wanted me to be, which was this prankster, bit of an asshole. Um, someone, someone want that like you think you want to be around when you're you're twelve, thirteen, fourteen, but you look back on it now and you're like that kid just like has definitely like a kid has underlying sort of issues at hand, and and that was sort of that I felt like I didn't belong and um, I didn't know who I, I, I well I knew who I was, but as I said, like that belonging factor is what I let shape me. And mm. then moving on later into school, um, I'd moved schools. Um, my mental health, yeah, it, it got really bad. I lost my dad when when I was 15, 16. Um, that was really hard. I'd made some poor decisions and really, really poor decisions. And um, I hit like the biggest low I could with my mental health. And um, that just transitioned from, from about year nine to 12. And um, it sort of took my schooling with it and a fixed mindset. I was, I just honestly thought I was never going to be any different. And, and that's one of the scariest things about mental health. Like some days I'd, I'd put my head in my hands and just say like, why am I like this? Is, is this ever going to change? And is it always going to be like this? And um, every day at school, I, I would just waste opportunities like to learn, to grow, grow and learn. And um, yeah, it was really, really hard for me. And, I suppose getting out of that um, didn't really happen until like um, I sort of ended, like I was in a relationship and that ended and I sort of decided that I didn't want my anxiety to sort of dictate the quality of my life anymore. And um, I was past my depression at that point, but I was just so overly anxious. My mind was sick all day and yeah, I, I'd had enough because it was another person that I'd lost and um I just decided then and there that I wanted to be better. I didn't want to have to go through that anymore. And I wanted to be able to live a good quality life if, with mental illness. Like um, people think that like they can't have a good life if they got a mental illness, but you can learn how to combat it and, and sort of that you have control over it. So 
yeah, that that's where I probably shifted and it's been a pretty big journey since and I've learned so much. So it's been it's been awesome. Thanks for sharing that, bro. I didn't I didn't actually know that about you until now. So thank you. No, that's okay. Um it's it's always powerful to share those kind of those deep moments of suffering I find. Um and this this feels like a haymaker conversation. <laughs> Legit. Yeah. It feels like yeah. you know, and I th- I think that's why that, that platform's so good because it enables yeah. people to to kind of release that negative energy and once you release that negative energy you, you give yourself a starting point right yeah well like like you said before and that's something i wanted to touch on like in everyday situations you get the how are you but it's never like a how are you really mm. it's it's not a how are you that you feel that it's not like it doesn't have that psychological safety around it where you can say hey i'm actually not okay on mm. some days if that's how you're feeling and they're not conversation starters like it's like yeah good how's work yeah good how's the girlfriend yeah good um it, it's not something like what's one thing that's made you smile today um or like just tell me one thing you're grateful for today um mm. something like that just can open up a can of worms in a conversation and there's all the questions that should be asked and that's what hey mate's about just having those meaningful conversations that we don't really get in everyday life and then hopefully we can take them to everyday life and make someone else feel better. Yeah, I totally agree, bro. Yeah. I feel like the, the fast pace that we normally live our lives, it makes those kind of deep conversations nearly impossible. Right. So having spaces like this where you can actually have those, those deeper conversations and actually really process the things that are going on in your head is just so invaluable. Yeah. Like it's so invaluable. And that's, I think that's why, you know, podcasts like the Joe Rogan podcast, for example, are just growing exponentially in terms of how popular they are because people more and more crave that more meaningful conversation, you know, yeah. longer form conversation, not that shallow, you know, hey, you know, the weather's pretty good today. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, are you just saying words because you feel you need to say words? Or <laughs> I don't know. Well, and that's why I love like those sorts of podcasts and Hamo because people feel like they can just speak their mind and speak authentically. Like when everyday conversation, you can feel like, what's this other person going to think of me if I say this or what if I say that? And, and they just refrain from saying what they want to say sometimes and, and sort of promoting those meaningful conversations. So all those platforms, things like this are just awesome for people to just just speak freely because <laughs> mm. uh, you just get to see someone's true character and it's so awesome to have conversations where you leave and you're like wow like, that was so much better than a hey how are you like yeah 100 um, percent. yeah it all and, just comes down to connection as well 100 mm, percent. and i think the same goes as well for when you listen to conversations like this is um you kind of feel you know like you kind of feel more engaged when people start having these deeper discussions and then that kind of sparks something in you to have those deeper discussions in real life with with other people that are close to you as well right and like i know like i've noticed that from from doing a couple of chats and hey mate like i'll i'll have deeper conversations with with my friends and family and and also because of this podcast as well you know Um, yeah but I, i wanted to unpack a couple of things jordan that you talked about before um obviously thanks again for sharing that story i think it's going to be powerful for anyone listening especially people who are, who are hiding those kind of their own personal stories mm. and, and are kind of too afraid to acknowledge those moments. 
one of which stood out for me is like you said, you kind of got to a point where you're like, all right, enough is enough in a sense, you know, like you were, you had mm. such a low. And I think that's a really crucial point to touch on because a, a lot of times, and we've talked about this before, it's, it's really easy and convenient for the ego to fall into this kind of victim mentality. And it's not to say that there's actually legitimately people who are victimized out there or, or oppressed, but there has to be a choice individually where you say, all right, enough is enough. I'm going to do something about this, regardless of how yeah. terrible things get. And you used an amazing example when we were first talking, Victor Frankl, I believe it was. I was wondering maybe if you could you could touch on that and and maybe dive into the idea of, you know, taking total extreme ownership of, of whatever's going on in your life and how empowering that is. Yeah. So like for anyone who hasn't read Victor Frankl's book, A Man's Search for Meaning, um, he sort of had this opportunity because he was a psychiatrist and a well-known one. Um, and he either could have stayed with his family and been imprisoned um, or he could have went to the United States where he was well known. He'd had the documents to say, sweet, you're right, let's go. Um, and he chose to stay He watch his family, leave him. And um, he took accountability for his actions and just like let his sort of values dictate where he wanted to go. And he, he loved his family and, he didn't didn't run off and let the ego go, and um, he stayed true to what he believed in. And it was so authentic, and like just reading that book, it, it was so like crazy. Mm. Um, and I suppose that it, it makes me think like all the time because for anyone who says they want to be successful or um, they want to do this, they want to do that, like, are you willing to make sacrifices for what you want? And if you want to be successful, are you going to be accountable for your actions? Like, mm. Because every decision you make in life, and it's something that all, I always think about is like, you've got, you've got many decisions and whatever one you choose is going to either push you further away or closer to where you want to be. Um, and you've got to know that if you're picking the one that's further away, you can't say, why is this happening to me? Like when you're not setting yourself up for success. So mm, mm. Um, yeah, everything comes down to the decisions you make and are you willing to be accountable? Like and Victor Frankl was and he, he lived a life that was crazy. Like Let, let's just, um, let's just talk about that a little bit. Cause like when, when was Victor Frankl alive? Like what, what is it he actually had to go through? Cause I don't think we've kind of <laughs> actually discovered like who he was. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so um, psychiatrist. I think the book was written in 1937, and he had to go through Auschwitz and, and stuff like that, um, or some of the concentration camps. And um, yeah, he was in prison, worked every day just to the bone, watched people die all around him, and mm. he just. He, he made it out and none of his family did. Um, I think he didn't know a few family members that were in there, but he just held on to this hope. And it's like one of the biggest quotes from the book, but it's a man with um, a man with a wire can bear almost anyhow. Mm. And I hear it all the time. Like in Hey May, I've heard it. I see it everywhere. Like 
one of the biggest quotes. And it's just like that was his driving thing to get through what he had to go through. Um, and every day he just had this. So the whole uh, the whole book, purpose behind the book is like, what's your purpose? And this is how you can get through anything. Like, mm. um, And it just talks about his story and how he used this sort of, this why to get through the how. Mm. And the how was gritty. It was horrible. Like one of the worst things the world's ever seen. Like, um, and he got through it. Like his mm. body stayed intact when so many others just like couldn't. And he legitimately cut it down to what's your why? Mm. Are you willing to suffer for where you want to go? And that's like one of the most powerful things. It's even more powerful when you when you understand the context, and that's why I kind of asked you just then to to go over it. Um, because, yeah, when we're talking about like victim mentality, it, it is so easy to fall into that trap. And like I've I've fallen into it before, and this is why I think it ties in a lot with this fixed mm. mindset. Because when you have this perceived idea of who you are and all of these external things that define you as a success. And then slowly but surely those things are chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. You feel like that's you being chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And that's the fixed mindset, mm. right? But like you say, when you have a why that is much greater than yourself, a purpose, I guess you you, you could call it, then you can bear any how, which, you know, Victor Frankl yeah. shows. And I think, I don't know if this is 100% accurate or not. Maybe you can tell me, but, you know, he ended up actually consoling some of the guards in the camp as well as some of the mm. people in the camp, which is yeah, I think did, insane. Yeah. It's insane that he was able to do that in that situation. And not only was his body intact by the end of it, which was somewhat out of his control, I guess, but his mind was intact at yeah. the end of it. And like, yeah, what he saw, what he had to do, it's like, it's insane. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful way to, it's, it's powerful perspective, right? Because no matter how much suffering you go through, if you take that total accountability and that extreme ownership in those situations and then dedicate yourself to some sort of why, you're going to be able to sacrifice those those tough times to, to get to yeah. the reward because you know it's worth it. So I guess a, yeah. a follow-up question for that would be, like, people might be sitting there getting caught up. Well, I mean, that's great. He, he had a why. And that's making excuses, right? Like, oh, he had a why, so so he could get through it, but I don't have a why. So I need to sit here and wait to find my why, which I think is bullshit. <laughs> I don't think yeah. anyone needs to sit and wait to find a why. But yeah. I want to I get your perspective on it. Do you, do you think that people need to have a purpose before they, before they can start taking actions? No. I think having, having a purpose is going to help you every day um in terms of being driven and if you're feeling like i know for me on the days where i'm feeling really down and, and stuff like that I, I feel like i'm lacking a bit of purpose mm. i'm lacking a bit of why so i sort of mope around and, and i've sort of got to back, get back on track but if you want to succeed like i think i said this to you but every single day in every single context, like every interaction, whatever you're doing, it's an opportunity. And it's an opportunity to grow, to learn, to be a better person, partner, performer. Mm. Every single opportunity. You can connect better. You can have a better conversation. You can like 
what are you what are you doing with your life if like if you're on your phone all day is that adding value to your life like and that's something that I ask myself sometimes and I purposely put my um my screen time as a new widget on my iPhone because I look at it and like sometimes it gets high mm. and it makes me just say is this adding value to your life how are you spending your time and um if you're in a context where you feel like you maybe shouldn't be there just say is this adding value to where I want to go and if it's not don't put yourself in that situation like no it's not good for you Mm. and do the things that are going to help you like every day like if you do all the small things every single day they add up Mm. enormously Mm. um but yeah like I said like you don't need to have this holy purpose and why to to be successful or to to get the most out of your day it's just, it's simply your mindset and perspective on things like mm. what do you see it as is that just is that just a coffee with someone to, to say how's work how's your family or is it a chance to connect better and to like get off your phone and have a meaningful conversation and mm. um, see how they really are mm. um so yeah like i was talking about that framework but just every day is an opportunity every context is an opportunity and sort of what you make of that is gonna gonna push you further away or closer to where you want to be. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I guess maybe another way to put it would be instead of having this constant need to have a purpose, is rather to yeah. live on purpose. You know, live purposefully each and every moment. And I guess a lot of people get caught in that that mindset of all right, once I have purpose. <laughs> then I'll know what actions to take and then I'll see the outcomes. But it's more like a circle, right? Like a circle with yeah. arrows and you have, you know, action, purpose, outcomes. And it's not that one leads to the other. It's that they all tend to lead to one another. So if you're feeling those days, like you say, where, you know, you just want to sit and binge on, on the phone and do absolutely nothing, like, guess what? No one is going to help you get out of that and no purpose is yeah. going to help you get out of it. You just got to take the action. And then that'll yeah. that'll lead to to better actions, right? Better results. Yeah, and I think like there's a difference between genuine rest and just doing nothing for no reason. Mm. Like, and I think that that's what most people do, but say they're resting, like they just don't want to do something. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not saying at all that you have to be go go go, do everything every single day to feel like you're living a life. Mm. It's just do things with intent, do things yeah. with purpose. Yeah, that's powerful. Mm. I like that word intent. What do, what do you mean by that? I guess like for for someone who's sitting um, at home, maybe thinking about it, like what is doing something with intent? I'd say do it with 100% focus on it. Mm. Give your best to what you're doing. Mm. Like whatever it is, just just give your focus to it. Give your full focus, your full intent. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's where success comes from. I'm reading a book at the moment called In Pursuit of Excellence. And the underpinning factor for every bit of success is focus. And I suppose that can be intertwined with intent. Um, and it's just simple things. Mm. Like how many times are you checking your phone when you're studying? How many times are you checking your phone at the gym? 
how many times you're checking your phone when you're out for coffee. Like, are you giving your full capacity to whatever you're doing? Mm, mm. So, like, don't sort of be shocked if you're getting, like, not the results that you want, but that's what you're doing with your time. So yeah. just give 100% to what you're doing mm. and then rest afterwards. So Yeah. And that links that links so perfectly as well into that idea of extreme ownership, right? And um, taking taking responsibility and accountability for your decisions. It's, an, another mm. example would be, uh, let's say you hop into bed with your partner and you both jump on your phones and then three months later, yeah. your relationship is in turmoil and you're arguing and you're yelling at each other like, and no one wants to take the accountability. It's like, think about that for a moment. You gave yeah. literally no intent to your relationship and you prioritize scrolling on social media over someone that you love. Of course your relationship ended. Man, that's me. That was me literally a month ago. Like I'm always pretty good at like spotting where I'm not doing well. And I was just in a mode where I was going on my phone a little bit and um, one day my partner was a little bit flat and I was like, okay, and she's like, I just want to connect with you. Mm. I was like, fuck. I'm sorry. Like, well, yeah, I yeah. didn't know that that was like me scrolling my phone while she was there looking at me, mm. just wanting to connect in a moment that I felt like wasn't of significance. She seen it as a moment to connect. So I think about like, is it just you going to sleep? Or is it, just would roll over and and have a talk. Mm, mm. Spend some quality time with whoever you're with and connect. Mm, mm. Um, so yeah, like it's it's crazy, I reckon. Like, yeah, and it, it, it ties in it ties in so perfectly with what you said before, this word intent. And that is essentially living on purpose. And I guess you could call it being present. There's so many, you know, hype words that we we could call it, right? But it's it's just yeah. literally living in that moment that you're in. Like if you plan to go and have coffee with a friend that you haven't seen in a year and you sit down there and you get a couple of lattes, shameless plug. And, <laughs> and the first thing you do, the first thing you do is, is, is whip open your phone and put your attention on an email that in the grand scheme of things really doesn't matter if you reply to even the following day, that's not living on purpose. And the same goes for, this idea of rest that you spoke about before, like, of course you can rest, but if you're going to rest, but then the moment you rest, you're going to start thinking about all of these things that aren't now, they're just happening in the future instead of actually maybe just lying on the grass and staring at the clouds and allowing your body to rest. You're not going to feel rested. <laughs> yeah. Legit. <laughs> you on your phone and scroll, but you won't feel rested. Like, mm. um, yeah, you hit that, you hit the nail on the head with that one. It's, it's crazy, but focus, intent, presence, grounded, all of them, same thing. Mm-hmm. Be 100% wherever you are. I think the other one I wanted to get your perspective on as well is going back to this victim mentality, right, is another thing that I think trips people up is this, it ties in with external validation, right, because the world right now, if you were to if you were to classify the world as what's going on in Twitter and Facebook, which by the way it's not, the world actually doesn't care about anything that's going on in Facebook and Twitter. It's still hurtling through this through the cosmos at a gazillion miles an hour around a giant fiery ball. 
Uh, it really doesn't care about Twitter or Facebook, and it definitely doesn't have yeah. an account. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> rant. Yeah. Hey, this is the world. <laughs> um, but people almost feel like this need to become a victim, even though they're not. Like their their life is amazing. They live in a beautiful apartment. They have bathrooms. They have hot showers. They have food in their belly, and they still feel this need to become a victim because they're so externally validated by the world. And the world right now is just flooded with people who want to feel as if they're they're the victim. You know that like they're the ones with all the problems. How yeah, how do you, think, how do you kind of overcome that? I think that genuinely comes from the culture we live in and for a lot of people it's a scarcity culture it's like this culture of never enough Mm. um love that like you said these people are living great lives great lives they've got food they've got hot water we've got heaps of things to be grateful for but are you grateful for where you're at like people are on this hamster wheel of just wanting more 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 because they think that that's what's going to define their happiness like a bigger house, a bigger car. Mm. And like, yeah, they're nice things to have. And if you're in a situation where it's like, like you can get it, go for it. Like, I don't care. I'm not saying you, you need to have this small economy efficient little car to <laughs> bloody be happy. But like, it, I'm just saying that be grateful for where you are. Yeah. Um, because and it's like these things. Oh, we see, we see like social media and, these people are living these glorified lives. It's like, and we glorify buddy, how people live and what people look like. And you think that you have to be that when you don't. Mm. Like, and, and it's it's such a trap because people just like, and I've been, I feel like never enough is like feeling shame. Like that's like, genuinely one of the definitions of shame it's like feeling mm. less less than or never enough mm. it's like why are you ashamed of what you've got like why do you feel shame for that why do you feel like you need more to be happy mm. like why can't you be happy now you don't have to buy a new house to be happy mm. um but yeah people just get stuck in it and it's so disappointing to see but i think like in terms of how to get out of it I would say gratitude is one and you don't have to be what you think others think you should be. Mm. Like you should be exactly where you are and mm. be happy with that. Like, um, yeah, but I think gratitude is one of the better, biggest things for me in terms of getting out of that never enough. Like, and that's just made me think it, it, it's shifting like if you think about what you don't have you're never going to have enough mm-hmm. if you're going if you think about what you do have you're going to live such a more happy life mm. um so it's genuinely it's come back to mindset again shift your focus on what you do have mm. like what is awesome in your great in your life right now what are you grateful for versus focusing on that thing on those things that we don't have and that's where that scarcity culture comes in and when we think never enough and we think we need more and um yeah it's a bit of a rabbit hole <laughs> i'd probably say gratitude not be be grateful do some gratitude list three things you're grateful for mm, mm. Um, but, yeah 
Yeah, a few things kind of come to mind there. And I, I harp on about this all the time in the podcast. It's essentially what you're describing there in terms of this material need to keep getting more and more and more is what I've learned is the hedonic treadmill, right? You know, this this version of hedonic happiness, which isn't really hedonic happiness, this, this need to constantly be satisfied by some sort of material goal. But the problem is once you get to that material goal is you actually haven't satisfied the overwhelming feeling and need that you have inside of you, which is probably something way deeper like love or joy or connection mm-hmm. um, or meaning or purpose or an intent. Um, and so you just constantly end up running on this treadmill that just literally has no time limit on it. And you're just chasing yeah. and chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing. And it, it just doesn't sound like a very nice way to live your life. And, you know, I, like I've, I've worked hospo for many years and, and I'd work in, in clubs. Obviously, I won't mention any names, but I would see people with unbelievable amounts of money and unbelievable amounts of material assets. And I would see them in just such dark, dark places and I knew and, and I felt empathetic to these people because I understood that for a lot of them, they were, regardless of how much they had uh, materially, they were stuck on this hedonic treadmill. And each weekend yeah. they were just trying to reach what they could only ever reach by sitting down and asking themselves, like, what what is it you really want? Like, remove all of this mm-hmm. material crap and, like, what is it yeah. you really want to feel? Like, how do you want to be? How do you want to exist? And a lot of the times it's such simple things. Like, I just want to feel like I have enough. Okay. Well, guess what? Make the decision to realize that you have enough. And that can start with, with gratitude and, and this flip yeah. from this scarcity mindset to this abundance mindset. Yeah. I think that, that makes me think of a couple of things. One, it's like, when we feel like the need to keep buying things, what's the underlying problem, maybe? Mm. Like, what have you gone through to feel like you need to be more than mm. what you are? There's a lot of time with, with people, like, the underlying issues are related to their upbringing and, like, the way they've been conditioned to think, feel, what their relation was like, relationship was like with their family, their mum, their dad. Um, did they get enough love? Um, I know for me, like, I didn't have a great relationship with my mother and um, that really translates into relationships for me. Mm. Um, Like I need affirmation because I didn't, I didn't get that from my mum when I was young. Um, Second thing is minimalists. Less is more. I love minimalists. If Mm. you haven't watched a documentary on Netflix, I would say watch it. I think it's just Mm. called minimalism or minimalists. I'll put that Um, in the show notes. And like, I'm not saying you have to live out of one bag, <laughs> but you don't need all these things. And that's, that's basically what they're saying. Like you don't need to have one t-shirt. You can have as many as you want, but you don't need it. Like you need what you, you what do you need? What you're going to buy? And is that going to add value to your life? Um, and then the other one was, I read this paper um, and it was in, it was about sociology and, it basically just talked about the the quality of your well-being is dictated by the quality of your relationships and your ability to feel connected, not by the material assets that you own. Mm. Um, so when we shift from I need this new iPhone 12 to make me feel happy or this better car, like 
maybe you need better relationships with the people around you and you don't need thousands of friends. You don't need to go and be popular in every circle. You need a close knit of people that you feel massively connected to. Mm. And that will deem the quality of your well-being. Mm. Yeah, I think one thing that comes into mind, just thinking then about what you said is another really good thing to do is like when you, like let's say, for example, you go, oh, I really need to buy that new, uh, I don't know, that new Lamborghini, let's say. Let's get ridiculous. Sit there and ask yourself, like, why? Why do you think you need to buy Mm. that Lamborghini? Is it the Lamborghini that you need or is it something deeper than that? And quite often it's going to be something deeper than that. And if you find after all of that kind of self-introspection, I guess, that, okay, this Lamborghini truly will give you what it is that you need, feel you need to, to, to be fulfilled, then great, buy the Lamborghini. But you're probably going to find, like you said, that it's, it's something much deeper than that. It's maybe what you're needing is to feel some sort of connection. And mm. that kind of feeling is not going to happen by buying that Lamborghini. It's, it's going to happen by making a choice to, to create that connection. Yeah. It comes so down to choice, right? Yeah. So basically what you're saying is have better relationship with, relationships with people and you'll save yourself a few hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. It, it's funny, right? Like that, that idea of scarcity. I can't remember where I've seen this quote, but it's scarcity is an invention of the rich. And mm. it, it really is that like before we had all of this that's around us you know these buildings and these cars and this technology and this crazy amazing world that we've managed to create with our our collective Mm. intelligence there was there wasn't really such a thing as scarcity the only time scarcity existed is when you were like holy crap i'm really hungry guys you want to go hunting (laughs) you you guys want to go like you guys want to go kill a woolly mammoth like it's going to be pretty dangerous but like i'm pretty hungry you know apart from that apart from that it was just we just lived humbly in this connection with this gigantic ecosystem that is the world hurtling yeah. through space at a billion miles an hour yeah. now it's just we've created all of the scarcity from having so much it's weird paradox right? yeah yeah like it's gone from like being connected to everything around you because you haven't got all these things to be disconnected mm. and over time we've just become so much more disconnected so much like when now we become a product of our environment we live in a scarcity culture <laughs> mm. like it's going to be easy to feel like you don't have enough when if you're driving around on the road you see these fly cars you see these massive buildings you see people with heaps of money like of course you feel like you're gonna have to do that but mm. you don't <laughs> if we go back to where we came from then we're connected to each other to nature and mm. yeah the only time the only time you felt scarcity is when you're bloody starving <laughs> exactly hey there, here's a, there's a great kind of tip that was uh hidden in that, that that last sentence you said maybe next time you feel like you need to buy a lamborghini or, or let's make it more realistic for the majority of people that new iphone maybe just go for a walk in nature and, and see if that does the trick <laughs> you know maybe that'll give the connection you need or or maybe go sit down and have a coffee with your phone hidden away below your chair with a friend and yeah. actually have a connection and then I think you'll be surprised. You'll realize 
that all of those thoughts of you needing that iPhone or that new Lamborghini just mm. completely disappear because you fulfilled yourself, you filled your cup by creating that connection. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> cool, bro. Um, man, this, this conversation has gone uh, completely in a totally different direction to where I thought it was, but that <laughs> tends to happen in all of these podcasts. <laughs> but I loved, yeah, it. We just, I loved it. We just get on the, get on the wheel and just keep running. That's it, man. But I, I think what we, we covered was really important. And I, I actually erased the title that I thought I was going to have, but I've just changed it to like intent minimalism and, and the victim mentality because it's kind of what we just <laughs> talked about, which is not what we intended yeah. to, but. Yeah. Helps. <laughs> it's good, man. It is what it is. Hey, that's, they're, they're, the best, like, they're the best conversations. Like you said, they, they don't have to be structured. You, mm. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to to lead where your mind is going and, and mm. have a bit of curiosity about what you're talking about. And that's why I love Haymate because mm. they're just like, even though we've got questions in place, you know, I'm talking about Tuesdays, the conversations just go everywhere. Mm. Um, and like, we don't, Gabe and I don't care if you don't follow the questions. Like, yeah, <laughs> go yeah. have a conversation and connect. All we're seeking is connection. Mm. Mm. So, 100%. Yeah. Well, bro, like I've, I've really enjoyed this. I think we're going to move into the naturally, we're going to move into the four and one, which I talked to you about before this. Um, but I just wanted to acknowledge this conversation, first of all, say thank you very much for sharing everything you did share during the conversation. I know that it's, it's always challenging to share those kind of those kind of tough points, I guess you faced in your life. And mm -hmm. also, like, I'm, I'm pretty excited because this is like I said at the start, this, I feel like this is another step towards like growing a, a relationship, you know, and the next conversation we have, we'll build upon this and then the next one, the next yeah. one. And yeah. Hopefully we'll be sitting around a campfire outside of a 25 kilometer bubble eventually. <laughs> yeah. Chatting deep. That'd be a leap. I feel like we've, we've got so much more to talk about. Mm. And that's like the good thing about quality conversations. You feel like you can talk about more. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can't wait for our conversations yeah, to man. keep moving forward. 100%. Cool. All right. You ready for the four and one? Yeah. Is that the question I asked you? I, so I get four for you because uh, it's my yep. podcast okay. and I've been selfish yep. and, <laughs> and you get one for me. Okay. Okay. So cool. I'll, I'll start with number one for you. Easy one. Okay. Number one book recommendation. Tuesdays with Monterey. Say it again. It's Tuesdays with Monterey. With Murray. One of the best books. It's a true story. Um, elite book. Unbelievable. It's sort of old now, but huge. Great, great story. And then you can look further into it and look about the story behind it. Um, because, What's it about? Yeah. Um, so, Tuesdays with Murray. Mm. Murray Schwartz is this professor in sociology. Mm. Um, and he's got he's realized he's got amyotrophic lateral sclerosis uh, or you might know it as Stephen Hawking disease yes. um, or Lou Gehrig's disease. Sorry, but Stephen Hawking is probably the most renowned for it. And mm. uh, it's a motor neuron disease. And um, he, he has a student and this student sees Mari on TV and, and it talks about him, him dying. And because um, it's, it, it's a progressive death, you lose control over your body. Mm. Um, and yeah, this student was like one of Murray's favorite students. Um, Murray was his favorite teacher and he decided like that 
he would go and spend every Tuesday with him for the rest of his life. And, and this this guy is a, a journalist and um, he um, he's sort of feeling disconnected and he's, he's not living a great life and he got away from where he was at when he was really close with Murray. And um, ultimately they spend every Tuesday together and Murray imparts life lessons on him and... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it, like it makes me sad thinking about it because like it's mm. a powerful, powerful book. Like, made me cry at the end. Yeah, um, and I'm not much. Sure, I, I don't reckon I've, I reckon I've cried twice when reading books. Um, but one of the best books you could ever read. Yeah, like absolutely, it's for anyone. Like, it's basically a story. So if you like fiction, fine. Self help, motivation, all of the above. Mm. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right. gonna add that to my Sorry. list for sure, and uh, and yeah, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. That sounds super powerful. I like, I'm feeling tingles and that yeah. kind of overwhelming sadness now. It, it's such so good to get that perspective though, right? Like to be around the lessons that you learn through death. I guess you could say it is, mm. and like yeah. we're, we're all we're all so scared of death, but it's it's so inherently part of life and living. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's good to get exposed to that. I think that's gonna yeah. be a powerful book. I'm excited to read that. Yeah. Thanks to for sharing that, bro. Um, next one for you. What has had the greatest impact on your life in the past 12 months? Greatest impact on my life in the past 12 months. Wow, that's a tough one. Um I'll probably say perspective. Mm. Um, if that's an answer, would be helping me in helping me make informed decisions. Mm. Probably say my perspective. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you're looking for something external there, but I'd probably say my my, my own mind is or books. Just no, yeah. I'd probably say education. Yeah, yeah right. easily education. Sorry. Yeah. That's where I get my yeah, where I get my perspective from is from the books I read. Yeah, right. Um, and all the things I learn is basically from the books I read. So I'd say education. Mm, nice, nice. I think that's something that a lot of us kind of take for granted. You know, especially in the system that we we live in, it's like, all right, you go to school, you go to university, and then once you're done at university, that's it. That's all of your learning done. You know everything that you need yeah. to know in the world. And then a lot of people get to you know, their mid forties and bang midlife crisis. And they realize Mm. that they actually know absolutely nothing, regardless of how much you learn, you still know nothing. (laughs) But when you get into this, this kind of mindset of, okay, keep learning, keep learning, keep learning, keep challenging my ideas, keep reading stuff that I wouldn't normally read. And then you, you you find that you become so much more comfortable with the fact that you know nothing and you just want to learn more. (laughs) It's like, People think university is the peak of the mountain, like the peak of the mountain, the peak of the climb. It's not even the first hill. Like <laughs> it's, a, it's a continual learning process. And yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I love, just the learning, just mm. being trying to find ways to be better every day. Awesome. So, love that, Jordan. Uh, okay, so next one for you, your greatest mentor. My greatest mentor. That's a really tough one. I wouldn't say I have uh, one of my teachers um, from high school. Her name's Kerry, mm. and she is like a mum to me. Um, she took me in in my 
one of my darkest times and gives me the hard answers when I don't want to hear them, even though I always want honesty um, and just guides me through life when I'm, when I'm in tough places and when I need feedback. Um, awesome. Yeah, easily. Shout out to, is it Kerry? Yeah, Kerry. Shout out to Kerry. Is, is she going to be yeah. listening to this? Yeah, she'll listen. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, it's, it's so good to share this kind of stuff. It's weird that we don't um, congratulate and acknowledge people more. It's only when people are yeah. dead that we stand at their funeral and acknowledge them. And I've, I'm forcing myself now. Like the other day, I had a couple beers with some of my managers at work. And like, I, it was so good to be with them yeah. again, you know, because we hadn't seen each other in mm. so long. Yeah. And I just literally sent a message afterwards and told them afterwards, I was like, this was amazing. You're all beautiful people. You're amazing. And I could tell, like, it's a little bit weird for a lot of people because we're not used to that. But I feel yeah. personally, it's so <laughs> important to acknowledge people when they're yeah. alive because when they're dead, they ain't right. going to be here now. So what's the point? <laughs> I know. Like, those, those sorts of things need to be normalized more. Like, just call someone up and say, I'm so grateful for you mm. and for you being like this. Um, yeah, absolutely. Love that. Cool, bro. Last one's a, a, a totally random one, but I'm, I'm really keen to hear your answer to this. Okay. How many yeah. chickens, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? This is deep, bro. So deep. <laughs> I'd say it depends on the size and the ferocity of the chicken. Is he hundred percent on task? <laughs> Is it, are they focused? <laughs> yeah, are they focused or what? Yeah. No, but legitimately, we're thinking, we're thinking seriously. I'd say it has to be at least at least two hundred. I reckon that would now be too little. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, it's probably going to have to be more. Now I think it's done. So, yeah. yeah. Just exploding. Imagine that scenario. A bunch of chickens just trying to peck away at its legs and this elephant just yeah. exploding chickens all over. You, you get a time lapse of this elephant's legs just withering away. To like oh, that yeah, that's probably too graphic for some listeners. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, it's reality. It's probably what would happen. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Anyway, bro, on that note, you've got a question for me. So just... Far yeah, away. I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask you a funny one, but um, I switched my mind on the on when I was on my walk this morning. Nice. Um, and it's probably what's your biggest fear? What are you most afraid of? Oh, I think I remember this being in a, a chat once on Hamad actually, and I didn't I didn't answer it because we got on one of those tangents and just never actually got around yeah. to answering it. Yeah. My biggest fear. My biggest fear. That's tough. I think my biggest fear really is, is success, like being successful. And I need to overcome that every single day because it's kind of, I, I guess the way I make it in my head, is like, there's this, this wall in front of my face and I can either allow that wall to stay there and just keep banging my head against it, banging my head against it and falling back into old crappy habits that allow me to be comfortable. Or I can take that fear and I can put it behind me and it becomes a spinning blade of death. And if I fall back, I'm totally fucked. 
So I guess that that fear of success, I've, I've flipped it on its head and turned it into a fear of of failure, if that makes sense. So the biggest fear is, I guess, a, this continuous fear of success, which I overcome by making that fear a fear of failure because I, I don't want to fall back into those feelings of yeah. being in a suffering state and being the victim anymore. Like I'm, I'm done with that. It's, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier, like enough is enough. Um, mm. So I guess fear for me is just, it's become excitement almost. Like I'm, I'm ex- mm. I, I convince myself now when I feel that I'm like, Oh, this is exciting. I've got yeah. butterflies in my stomach. I'm terrified. Yeah. This is exciting, which is what I used to do yeah. with all the extreme sports I did. So it's like, yeah. why can't I just do that with my mind? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's just like anxiety and stress isn't always bad. No. Sometimes it's good. Yeah, yeah. You, you need it. You know. It's telling you something. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's a great response. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. Anyway, bro, I think that's pretty much the end. Um, anything that you talked about, uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for anyone listening, but I guess before you disappear, uh, you are by trade as strength and conditioning coach. Uh, but you also do obviously plenty of other stuff and you work a lot on, on mindset from, from this conversation. I can tell it's the mental yep. game is just as important to you. So for anyone who wants to get in contact, maybe they want to do some strength and conditioning, or maybe they just want to spark up a conversation. Where can they find yep. you? Um, it's, I've got two Instagrams, one for my coach, like strength and conditioning. And then on my normal one, I talk a little bit about mental health and, and stuff like that. So my normal Instagram is just underscore Jordan Love and my strength and conditioning one is Coach Jordan Love. So gotcha. it's pretty easy. They're the only two platforms that I really go on. Or if you want to have a pretty um, deep conversation, sign up for Haymate and have a chin wag. Um, yeah, sweet. Plug. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, cool. So I'll, I'll put all of those in the show notes. Um, just so people are kind of aware, uh, you would have listened to at this stage when this podcast came out, the podcast I did with Gabe, Hey Mate is a, a space for men. So if there's any any female listeners out there who want to get in contact with Jordan, hit him up on uh, underscore Jordan Love or the Strength and Conditioning yeah. Coaching. Um, hey Mate is, yeah. is, a, is, a, is a men's space. So it would be kind of awkward if, if someone yeah. jumped on and then discovered that. Yeah. And on that, like, some people might feel, like, a little bit anxious to reach out and message me about, like, about things. But after the mental health videos I put up, I get, like, so many people I don't know, I've never met, just come into my DMs and just say, hey, this is what I'm going through, like, um, and we have some unbelievable chats and just connect. So, Mm. please, like Jeff said, reach out to me if you feel like you want to have a conversation. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jordan. Thank you, my friend. Hello again, friend. Thanks for listening to the entirety of that episode. I truly appreciate you tuning in. Uh, If you haven't already, please subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And if you're using Apple Podcasts, huge favor to ask you. Can you please leave a five-star rating, leave a comment, leave a review, and be sure to share this with anyone in your life that you think it'll impact positively. Uh, Each and every rating and and review that we get on Apple Podcasts helps beat the algorithm and get the podcast out to more people. And I think these conversations are worth sharing. So thanks once again, and we'll see you in the next episode of Couple of Lattes.